Have you ever had one of those circumstances where you've actually went to your mom or your dad and you've asked them for permission for going outside and your friends are very desperately waiting for you to get a yes but then you get a no and deep down inside you actually just did it for a formality because you actually knew that if you went out you wouldn't really have a good time it's kind of what this 2022 monza or the italian gp feels like because we're all harping about the safety car coming in at the very end and then having the possibility of a good race but deep down do we really think that ferrari could have gotten the job done had they had the chance with of course verstappen on fresh tires and looked at not so much that is the question we're going to answer on this episode of the inside line of one podcast but first i have to introduce myself my name is somal arora i'm the host of the driving force on disney plus hotstar and luckily we've got the entire trio with us so firstly of course the voice you hear more often kunal shah the former marketing head of the force india f1 team who's also an FIA accredited formula 1 journalist for the via play network and back as a part of the discussion for the entire episode this time F1 stats guru Sundaram and while we Sundaram we were a part of the live stream on PTM insider yesterday for a live race watch along and we were just so perplexed i mean i i myself feel like a hypocrite because back in abu dhabi i was harping on about the need to kind of have consistency with the rules and to have the safety car finish the race if the car cannot be cleared but here we were complaining about quite the opposite so i mean i feel guilty on it myself you know a lot of people have also been calling for michael massey to be back they've been missing michael massey uh, because the race did not restart and yes we do feel like hypocrites because i i do remember that we we kind of analyzed this whole situation maybe there should be a different sort of a regulation brought in that that a red flag should be brought out for the last 5 laps of the race if that's the case because ultimately we do want want the race to finish but uh, yeah that's probably probably i mean thinking in hindsight maybe they did apply the rules correctly but uh, Yeah, I think that's there's a lot of thinking to be done, thinking to be done there. We're talking about safety cars and Abu Dhabi always comes to everybody's minds. Lewis Hamilton actually made a reference to it. And like always before going into the serious stuff, the even more serious stuff is Lewis Hamilton is mathematically out of contention to win the 2022 Formula 1 World Championship. That is if he was in contention ever. right at least we know that the mercedes has not been as quick as it's been in the previous many seasons and this is the first time since 2018 that lewis hamilton has failed to win a back to back formula 1 title now that's a stat you may not read anywhere else or you may not hear anywhere anywhere else on the internet and still sticking to the safety car i think rules might be brought into effect but we all need to keep perspective here that it is not as straightforward it's not as black or white i mean ricardo's car had just stopped he wasn't in the wall the driver wasn't uh, injured he walked out the marshals just couldn't hit the car into neutral and roll it off and hence the tractor had to come it just so happened that it was in the last 5 laps of the race and i just hope that it the reverse doesn't happen that suddenly there's a safety car five laps to go and you hit a red flag just cause you want uh you know racing to happen because then the other rule change will come in that you will will you still be allowed to change tires under a safety uh, under a red flag if it's in the last five laps of the race because one of the reasons why we did not want a safety car is to see if 
Leclerc could have attacked Verstappen, Leclerc who had pitted. By the way, he pitted for a scrubbed or a used set of soft so he wasn't on a fresh set of softs either and so on so my point is we're trying to put in too many variables and control a lot of variables just to get a photo finish each time and i don't know if that's possible each time yeah that's true i mean deep, deep down as i mentioned it it felt like we all knew the result max was already the faster one but that's the serious stuff right i, I want to get to the serious stuff after a little bit but i just want to know this take from you guys and i want you to respond to me on social media if you do get the chance to but who gets more hate this weekend from all the italian fans okay maybe hate is a hate is a very strong word but who do the italian fans dislike more this weekend is it verstappen for being too good or is it ferrari or is it fia i'm sorry not for kind of restarting the race towards the very end and It's, it's just perplexing about what might be going on in their mind at this particular moment in time. But all the way through as well, it was such an amazing race that we also saw the emergence of Williams having two drivers with a very similar name. There's firstly Nick DeVries, of course, our hero for this weekend, our driver of the day. And there's Nick Debris. Like Nick, Nick, Nick for Nicholas and Debris for, of course, uh, he, I don't have to expand on that a little bit more. But tremendous <laughs> how that went on. And that is also going to be one of the big things that we discuss on this episode in depth later on, including also asking us the question, well, just why does the FIA not go for red flags and restarts of a race? All of that and more, but after a short break on the Inside Line F1 podcast. Stay right here. Oh, yes, folks. We had a wonderful time yesterday on our live race watch along on PTM Insider with Steve Slater. And we were just able to analyze all the strategies and we were able to just re- react and interact with Steve in such a fun way. And there were so many people sending in their questions. And you can be a part of that very group the next time out as well for the Singapore Grand Prix. So don't forget to check out the link in our description to sign up for that particular race weekend. But yes, Kunal, uh, well, where do we begin? Do we start with the safety car? Do we start with Nick DeVries? Because my mind is bubbling up with thoughts about this race. And I I don't know what's what's more important or what's more entertaining because both these things just really made it a pretty good race. So let's, let's start with a simple one, actually. Rating the race. How, how would you rate this race in general? My goodness, this is where I'm always in a spot. I think it was an 8 or 9 on 10. I mean, I loved the confidence with which... Red Bull, Verstappen were able to take a penalty and immediately after qualifying, Verstappen was like, if I get through lap one cleanly and I'm P2 behind Charles, then it's game on. And he has now proved again that he can win from several positions on the grid. And he made it seem very effortless. And I I, I loved how Red Bull took a very different approach uh, to the race itself. We've known that they... are able they've got the fastest car in the straight line when they wanted to be the fastest car in the straight line but in monza they actually went for a higher downforce setup they took on more wing on max's car uh than uh, say for example what charles uh, had on his ferrari right and that setup difference is actually what helped uh max verstappen uh preserve his tires or have lower tire degradation than the ferrari and that's where the race was actually won apart from the fact that he was a very efficient and a quick racing car in itself and you know when we look at uh, the speed trap uh, figures released by the FIA they are not always accurate because they are DRS uh, red speed traps but when you remove the DRS out of the equation despite carrying more wing max verstappen was able to actually match 
Charles Leclerc's Ferrari in the straight line speed. So not only he had the potent uh, the potent uh, straight line speed to overtake people, but he also had uh, lower tire degradation, which gave uh, him a lot more might in tire strategy. You know, you know, back in the day, um, between 2010 and 2013, when Sebastian Vettel was winning all those races for Red Bull, one very interesting stat that was doing the rounds was the fact that Sebastian Vettel had never won a race uh, further behind P3. He had always won from the first three positions of a Grand Prix. And that doesn't really apply to Max Verstappen anymore. He doesn't really care about grid positions uh, anymore because uh, before this season, he had won a race only from the starting four positions, P1 to P4. But this year already, he's won from seven different starting grid slots, which is the most by a driver in one season. So you don't really have to put his car out in qualifying. Wherever he wherever he starts the grid, the race on, I think he's going to put up a very good show at, at the end. It's not going to bother him anymore. It's so true. I think once he seals the championship in Singapore, which could happen, or maybe even Suzuka for that matter, I don't know. Yep. Let's be prudent about this. We should actually just maybe send in a petition to Red Bull Racing asking him to start the race from the back of the grid just for fun. Just for fun. Let's see. I mean, let's see where he can end up. Maybe he ends up with P1 and he ends up winning it by a 10 second gap. I mean, just, just for fun. Let's wait and see how that potentially happens. And I just wish that Red Bull end up doing that. But on a more serious note, Sundaram, just what do the numbers and what do the stats say about this Italian GP? Because with so many variables, like a new driver, like Verstappen setting on new records and like big changes in the midfield, I suppose there must be a lot of fun stuff to read out from from that. Oh, absolutely. It was one of my better weekends because there were quite a bit of stats to, you know, find and dig out. Um, well, I'm, I'm just going to cover up on uh, cover on the more important ones for this weekend. Obviously, Kunal's mentioned that Hamilton's out of the running for the championship. And I mentioned that Verstappen's one from seven different positions. These are the most biggest stats, I would say. But I also have to mention that Mercedes have taken 13 podiums this year. And that's the most by team in one season without winning a Grand Prix. 13 podiums without a single win. Uh, and also talking about Charles Leclerc, he's lost yet another race, starting from pole position. He has 17 poles in Formula 1, and he's won just four of them. In fact, Max Verstappen has won six six races when Charles Leclerc has started from pole. So the next time Leclerc starts on pole, I think Verstappen's going to be very, very happy. And that could well end up being Singapore, for all we know, in three weeks' time. But let's, <laughs> it's, it's so hard to speculate right now. But in general as well, Kunal, on the subject of Ferrari, on the subject of the pace and them being competitive, it's like the minions now need a new big boss. If you've, if you've seen the movie, you kind of understand the reference. Because Ferrari now, they're, they're struggling in terms of strategy, yes. And we should discuss why they actually box for the medium so early on in the first VSC. But secondly, I think Mattia Binotto's comments are coming to light and we are seeing Ferrari actually genuinely fall back in terms of performance as well. So with that in mind, would you actually say that Ferrari were robbed this weekend at the end? I would say it's easy to assume that Ferrari were robbed at the end. And, you know, we all wanted that two lap or one lap shootout and see if Charles could take the fight to Max or at least just having them battle. So definitely Formula One, the Tifosi, all of us were robbed. But like I explained at the start of the show, these are moments where safety is of prime importance. And that's what the FIA will always focus on, whether it's the fifth lap or the 55th lap of a race. They don't really care about that. And I guess that at least at the moment is sacrosanct to Formula One, right? That uh, apart from what happened in Abu Dhabi, like we keep talking. Uh, 
So I think maybe they were robbed of a chance. Up until now, they didn't really have a chance. But in in Monza, it seemed that they had sorted their car out a little bit. They were a lot more comfortable because the trend has been that since maybe Hungary, the the Ferrari uh, has eaten up its tires a lot more than, say, the Red Bull. And then Belgium, we also saw what sort of happened with the new technical directive come in and and so on. And, uh, you know, so so in it, to my mind, I think we were all robbed, but maybe the decisions made based on the current regulations were pretty fine. And, you know, everybody's been asking the questions, should Ferrari have boxed for the hard in the first VSC and so on? I personally believe uh, that they were lacking outright pace to Max Verstappen, and which is why they purposely went for a different strategy uh, to see if they could take the fight to to max and like we saw even in Sanford, you know the first part of the race not a lot of overtaking happened while drivers were on the same tire and the same utilization of tires and so on but once you were on a different tire and you had an offset of pace or a bit of a delta that was needed you could make overtake so that was also eventually what ferrari was trying to do to create the tire offset and then go attack max verstappen which of course we know didn't happen you know, I think the Tifosi must have felt robbed and in, in specific more robbed than anyone else because there was there was uh, I mean they could not witness the race for the last two Italian Grand Prix because of, of COVID obviously and the last two years Ferrari were not really that competitive. So this year when the car does seem to be at the front, they have been winning a couple of races. And especially after what they saw through free practice and in qualifying, there surely must have been a lot of hope built up. Uh, leading up to Sunday, that but they probably did not know that Max Verstappen had his car set up for race day. And now that we are at the end of this triple header, it's probably you can probably say this a little bit with more surety that probably the technical directive has affected Ferrari's pace to a certain extent, and also they are, they are suffering with with tire degradation. It's it's debatable if they should have switched uh, if they should have pitted during the VSC. But what I felt at that point of time is. Max Verstappen coming up to P3 or P4 in the first few laps, he just needed a handful of laps to probably pass Leclerc and they were both on the same set of tyres. Had he done that, then I think it would have been more straight, it would have been very straightforward that they would do a a one-stop and Leclerc would not have had the chance to probably get that position back. They saw a small window of opportunity during the VSC and I think they took the risk and went for it. But unfortunately, it didn't pay off because they didn't really have the pace. We saw that even after the safety car, Leclerc was not covering up ground by a lot. So I think eventually Verstappen would have won even without the safety car. That's true. And, you know, we were robbed of how it would have all turned out. We, It was, it was like uh, lots of these races that end with a safety car or just before a safety car. We eventually know the end winner. Uh, right, we all we want to know is how the victory would have been taken, and that, I think that's the how that we are all wondering that would have happened. And pitting under the safety car was again the right thing to do, uh, and uh, and uh, you know lots of times they are criticized for not doing that. It sometimes just so happens that you make all the right strategy calls, but you just don't have the underlying pace, and that's what happened in the case of uh, in the case of Charles Leclerc. But if you were to switch it back, they actually had the pace from Carlos Sainz's perspective to go all the way down from 18th uh, to fourth place. So, uh, you know, all in all, they were qu- quicker compared to the rest. And, you know, I'll quote George Russell here. George Russell said, I can keep anybody behind me in the race apart from Max Verstappen. <laughs> and that's literally what's been happening. You know, everybody's able to compete amongst themselves, the 19 drivers. 
maybe not Nicholas Latifi, so say 18 drivers, <laughs> Latifi is always at the back and Max is always at the front. That's true. That's true. And and it somehow just feels that Ferrari have lost touch with Red Bull and Red Bull only. I mean, they're dropping back into the Mercedes zone. But with Carlos Sainz as well, it kind of leaves you perspect- uh, perplexed, I'm sorry, about what the actual pace is really like. Because somehow just the world always finds a way not to make Sainz the focal point. I mean, regardless of how good he can be. Just think about it this weekend. 18th to nearly third had the safety car not been there. He was on fire and... It just always happens, right? The one race weekend where he was the focal point is the one that we've all forgotten. I mean, who even remembers about the British GP at this stage, even though it was a pretty good one? So, strange how things play out with him. But I think it's not a, it's not really a great time to dive down to the pace of Carlos Sainz before we actually talk about what the FIA could have done better if they could have done something better in this particular case. Now, you've got to applaud them for the confidence that they showed by keeping the safety car out there. Like, no, okay, this is our decision and we will stick with it regardless of the backlash that we get. And they got a lot of it from the fans on track. But the the fact of the matter is the FIA actually tried to push a regulation to make sure that the races won't end under the safety car last year. But the teams couldn't uh, couldn't really end up agreeing on a solution for that. And do you think that has really robbed us of a big one? Because back in the US, they have a solution where they red flag the race. They have a three-lap shootout at the very end. And F1 clearly had the time this weekend, Kunal. I mean, I remember with, uh, with around 15 minutes left to go on the broadcast clock, we were over and done with with the podium and the entire feed. So it's not like F1 couldn't have done that, right? Yeah, and that's an interesting point because Monza is, again, one of those races that gets done really quickly given the lap times, given the higher average speeds, given that pretty much there are very few corners, it's a start and stop circuit and so on, right? So specific to Monza, you had time on the clock, right? But again, it goes back to what I said at the start of the show, where will this rule change take us if there is one that will come? And I believe it will come at some point because everybody's got this whole entertainment hat on all the time. And is it a red flag? Then if it's a red flag, are you allowed to change tires? And, you know, I spoke of tire offset, but if both Charles and Max are both on the same tire, maybe you wouldn't actually even have a restart where uh, Charles could have attacked, right? So lots of perspectives that should go in. And I, 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 I believe that the you know the safety car shouldn't have been the one taking the checkered flag ahead of the racing car drivers but you know with ricardo being stuck in gear all of these things are things you just cannot anticipate you know he was just stuck in gear at a point of the track where extraction was tougher than some of the other like for example what happened to sebastian fettel so how do you dial in things constantly with all these moving variables while cars are going racing on track at full speed or behind a safety car lap counts are going down and so on so i'm sure there will be some change that they'll try and bring in i'm not entirely in for a red flag even though we had that red flag situation in baku last year because one of the team bosses actually said that why red flag a race when the car is not in the barriers and the driver is not injured then will that be the next question that somebody will ask are we you know you know illegally unjustly using a red flag to influence rate race outcomes that you know how far will this discussion controversy all the memes then end up going that's so true that's so true and in that case you just have to consider the long run impacts but yeah i mean it, it just feels 
like a bad hangover from Abu Dhabi that's making us question things like that a little bit too much about, okay, should we want more entertainment? But all things considered, I think we have spoken enough about the FIA and Ferrari. We should talk about the other star of this race and actually the real genuine star of this race, Nick DeVries. I mean, he was fantastic. But uh, I think that reminds me uh, to also mention Alex Albon before we actually go to speak about Nick DeVries. It's good to hear that Alex Albon is doing slightly better. I mean, we've all heard reports that his condition deteriorated, but apparently we're getting to see or hear news that he's doing better. So that's an important thing. And let's hope that he's back on track very, very soon. In fact, Williams just sent out a release saying he was in intensive care after some expected but uncommon complications happened post-surgery, right? So it's good that he is out of the intensive care now. He was actually on the ventilator for some time, apparently. But of course, being on the ventilator doesn't always sound as serious as it is. And I'm no medical professional, but just reading out what uh, I have uh, read, especially with the Williams release, but that's what happened. But Nick DeFries was the other Dutch star this weekend at the Italian Grand Prix. And, you know, I loved how in the end he was on the radio saying, guys, can I get some help? I can't move my arms. And the Williams engineers came, embraced him, lifted him out. And he fought so well. And he, you know, he came and he's now scored 30% of the team's points in just his first chance. And Jos Capito pointed out two very critical things. First is, he didn't know till Saturday that he was going to be in the car. So he literally had no running on the Friday, right? The second thing is that Jos Capito says, Nick DeFries needs to decide what he wants to do for 2023, which probably means that Williams are open to having him, but Nick is just trying to figure what's the best place for him to be. Could it be Alpine? Could it be something else? He is linked to Mercedes, as we know, which is why he's driven for all barring one Mercedes power teams this weekend. But hats off to him. And, uh, you know, Nicholas Latifi or Gotifi, as he's known, is now again 21st in a 20 driver championship. And while, uh, you know, we can uh, talk or not talk about Latifi's lack of performance, Latifi gave a very interesting insight. He said, if we qualify the car higher up there, we have the pace to defend, which technically means that. Nick DeFries is doing what he did in qualifying gave him such a good chance to go and score his and Williams's first points together. Now I was saying that you know um, we, we, we obviously know that Williams has been having a difficult few years and, and George Russell's taken 37 Grand Prix to get a, to score a point Nicholas Latif he's taken over 20 and then comes Nick DeFries who has absolutely no running in this car he he just turns up for one practice session one qualifying session he makes a couple of mistakes here and there even during the race he was reprimanded as well but then he qualifies P8 and he finishes P9 if this was some other driver any other driver we wouldn't have been raving about this but it's only about the fact that he had very little experience in the car and obviously the grid penalties also helped his case but I think everyone is really warming up to the fact that someone young and new is, is has done so well on his F1 debut in a Williams car yeah and he started eighth because of the grid penalties as you said and grid penalties in itself was such a talking point of the weekend nine drivers with a penalty FIA using a new system to set up the grid penalties uh, sorry the the start grid for for the race and while they released the final grid uh, start grid several hours before uh, Red Bull was 
debating with the FIA why Max was not P7 and instead P4 till literally minutes before uh, the the pit lane opened, uh, which is usually 40 minutes before the race. So even that was, you know, an interesting perspective of this race weekend that nine drivers with penalties and literally every driver asking, can somebody please tell me where I'm going to start this weekend, uh, start this race because, hey, I don't know what's happening with all the start grid penalties. You know what, grid penalties are an interesting topic. We should... In this three-week break, actually talk about this in depth because there's a lot of different opinions and takes that we can have on that, which won't be as relevant to a race review episode right now. So let's let's hold on our thoughts on that particular one. And we should come back on that on the Inside Line F1 podcast. So stay tuned with us for that bit. But as well, right, Nick DeVries just makes you question and wonder so much about the drivers and is changing cars actually that much of a challenge because just remember right on friday he was driving an aston martin which is a completely different car with a different design approach and different uh, philosophy if you'd like to put that jargon in there and right now he was driving the williams and he ended up doing so well and just early on the season i think he's tested the mercedes as well right or is, is he is he scheduled to do that he actually tested the Mercedes. He drove uh, France FP1 for Mercedes in place of Lewis Hamilton, right? But here's one thing about Nicolas Latifi, right? And I don't know why we're giving him airtime, but maybe it's just to have fun. Not only has he been beaten by his regular race driver teammates, but also by substitutes. Last year, I think it was Robert Kubica substituting for... Uh, Kimi Raikkonen for a couple of race meets and that's when uh, Nicolas Latifi was uh, demoted to 21st and this year it's by Nick DeFries. So just goes to show how deep or shallow his talent pool uh, may or may not be in Formula 1. And you know, I don't understand why Williams is even considering uh, him for 2023. But you know, I know I'm not the one who gets the millions if he does drive for for Williams. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Williams will just have to consider and wonder, okay, uh, just where does this weigh up? Should we just focus on the millions that we're getting right now or maybe the millions that we can earn by finishing better? But I think that's enough on Williams. I want to talk about Carlos Sainz because he was also one of the great drivers for this weekend. And Sundaram, many people are saying that he was actually the Ferrari that got robbed in a more literal sense because there have been doubts about Leclerc's pace, yes. But Carlos Sainz, after the pit stop, just seriously seemed like he could get George Russell. And it's kind of like a dual-edged question, this one, right? Is this the best we've got from Mercedes? And secondly, how good can Carlos Sainz be? Because from P18 almost to P3, that is quite a good weekend. And that just went underappreciated, under notice, as I mentioned early on. Yeah, I did. Because I think a lot of the attention was on Verstappen and then De Vries, And then it switched towards uh, the safety car as well. So I think even Hamilton's drive was a little underrated. And, and not much airtime was given to that. But Sainz coming close to P3, he was very confident. He was actually very disappointed that the safety car came out. And that kind of ruined his chances of, of a podium, uh, podium finish. I think he was seven or eight seconds off George Russell. And that could have gotten, that battle could have gotten very, very interesting. But the one takeaway that I'll take from this is that Sainz seemed very comfortable in the car. He mentioned that. And, and he did have his struggles towards the start of the start of the season. So if he does feel at one with the car, maybe we can see some very good performances in the next few races as well. Um, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing that. My mind, go, my mind goes back to Lewis Hamilton because you mentioned that uh, he didn't get a lot of airtime. And some interesting insights from him. Again, you know, he was planning to watch 
uh, Game of Thrones sitting in a DRS train. And luckily, we didn't have, you know, lots of that, any of that. But Mercedes's simulation told Lewis Hamilton that he could finish anywhere between sixth and fourth. And he finished fifth, right, which I think is fantastic. So 19th to fifth. And just a couple of races ago, you know, his dear friend Fernando Alonso, who we should talk about, or at least his radio message that we should talk about. Uh, Fernando Alonso turned around and said, this guy's this guy knows only how, how to drive starting first. So, you know, Lewis said, took that up as a challenge and he says, I'll go 19th to wherever it is that, uh, you know, we're going. And while we're, you know, talking of scenarios for signs and Russells and Perez's of the world, let's remember the safety car actually added a lot of excitement in the last few laps uh, because at that time, Max Verstappen was almost 16 odd seconds ahead of the driver racing number car number 16, right? And uh, and had there not been a safety car, he would have finished that much gap ahead. So he would have sort of, you know, had no anticipation of a fight. But when the safety car came out, suddenly it was like, oh, my God, the two protagonists, they have fresh tires. Okay, who's got how many old tires? Oh, will there be a restart now? And that whole anticipation made the last few laps a lot more exciting than watching Verstappen finish like 20 seconds, uh, you know, up the road. It was all like, oh, it's going to the race actually gets better now. That's the feeling that we all sort of had then. At least I did. Yeah, seriously. And on the watch along as well, we were also confused. And I remember Steve saying, oh yeah, the race is going to be pretty dull unless we get a safety car. And at that very moment, we got to see Daniel Ricciardo stopping. So maybe the commentators have something special in their bag that they can pull out in moments like this one. But yeah, perhaps the charge wasn't full because we only got to see half of it. But otherwise as well, we saw interesting stories in the likes of, firstly, Fernando Alonso's radio message now, it's like he could literally pick out and understand what was happening to the car before it actually happened. Uh, age experience, perhaps you could call it that way. Yeah, of course. I mean, he's always on, on top of the car and he knows even, even the slightest of changes or even the slightest of problems that tend to happen with the car. And unfortunately, the team did not pick up that. And and that's something that actually baffles me. That's, and that's probably something I have to go back to as well and try and understand what exactly is happening there. Because the dynamics for some sort of reason doesn't seem right, especially after his announcement that he's leaving Alpine. Something doesn't seem right between his radio messages to the team. Uh, at, at times, I've felt that probably they're hiding information or not giving him the right of the, the type of information that he would need. But something just doesn't seem right over there. To, to me, I love his uh, impatience on the radio. I love how he said, you know, wow, when they told him everything is right with the power unit. And I personally believe, given the battle that they are in with McLaren, I believe uh, they're not holding back information. In fact, they if you see the trend, since Miami, Fernando Alonso's outscored uh, Esteban Ocon, and that's, uh, you know, 10 races in the points, in the running consistently, etc., etc., I believe they are probably just uh, giving him what he needs. Maybe on the development of the next year's car is where they're holding him back. But in the race preps and stuff, I believe they are, you know, surely uh, up there doing what they were doing anyway before that. And let's hope that happens, actually. Who wouldn't like to see Fernando Alonso go out there and compete a little bit better? And on the subject of development as well, it's just got me a little curious because recently we saw Felipe Drogovic being announced as the... As, as a member of the Aston Martin Driver Development Academy, 
But then again, it raises questions like, oh, what are they developing? Because he's already a Formula 2 champion and they've already got one driver who's got a lifetime contract at the team and the other one who's going to hog the seat until he's around 60, 70 or whatever. What are they developing, Kunal? I mean, how are they developing him in any way? Well, they're just realizing that as a manufacturer team, which they actually are, they need a junior driver development program. And I was actually surprised saying, hey, what on earth? You know, why are you developing an already developed driver? And the press release says he will be one of many reserved drivers of the team as well. So maybe it's just a commercial arrangement and agreement, something Felipe, his sponsors, uh, you know, there isn't a Brazilian driver on the grid and Brazil is a massive market. So you never know where these combinations go. And uh, talking of development drivers, Ferrari's development driver, uh, of the Driver Development Academy, Mick Schumacher, he was, he actually had a good weekend as well. He would have almost gone from P20 to P8, at least based on how Haas saw the situation happening. And then unfortunately, he finished P12. And the team was very thankful to him for doing what he did. And somehow, you know, when this whole conversation, should they renew Mick or not, and now there's news that Hulkenberg is in the conversation, it feels like Kevin Magnussen has suddenly gone off the bed, you know, so, so to say. And, you know, he had that slight off a couple of races ago, He, which was a driver error. And just doesn't seem like it's the same Magnussen who started the season with a lot of excitement and just being grateful that he's back in Formula 1, making the most of his opportunity or his third opportunity, if one was to count how many he's got. So... I don't know where that is going to go eventually. Yeah, and we're just not talking about make enough. It's suddenly like the momentum has clearly changed and it feels like the new normal that Mick Schumacher is beating Magnussen comprehensively every weekend. But let's actually wait and watch to see what happens in Singapore. Can that trend continue? And can Max Verstappen end up becoming a two-time world champion officially over there. The permutations and combinations are still slightly complex and they haven't been officially released by F1 yet. So we'll actually wait and watch on that one. But we can potentially see that happening. We've heard that. And wouldn't it be fun for you to join us on the live race watch along for that race on PTM Insider to witness the moment happen and to see and hear Steve Slater commentating and talking about it and discussing and answering all of your questions on all things Formula 1 right there. To sign up for that, you can check out the link in our description below. And also, maybe just check out the previous watch-alongs that we had on Paytm Insider as well, just to get a better idea of exactly what could you be in for. It's totally free, folks. Don't forget to miss. Don't forget to come in and join us over there. So that's until then, folks. We'll be coming up with lots of Formula 1 coverage in the break as well. So don't forget to subscribe to the Inside Line F1 podcast. But I hope you enjoyed this episode, and we shall see you rather soon. Bye-bye.